Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Well, without further ado, I'd like to get to today's message. I'm excited about it. I'm a little bit fired up about it, and, and I, I'm, I'm very excited to share it with you this morning. I want to talk to you this morning about the best gift, the best gift. I think about it at, at Christmas time, and I just mentioned it, and I'm not, I don't have a problem with, with, with families going out and buying things for each other and doing all that stuff, that Christmas tradition that we've established. That sort of came from the time when, when the, uh, the wise men from the East came and brought gifts to Jesus, and they modeled it after that when they gave him gold and frankincense and myrrh, and so we exchanged gifts as sort of a memorial for that. And as I said, as long as we keep priority that our giving first is to Jesus, giving first to God, and it's our time, our talent, our treasures, and our testimony, that's okay if you do all the rest of that stuff. And I think back to when I was a little kid and, and going through and getting ready and excited about Christmases and, and just always had that one special gift, that best gift that I was really hoping for, and you were always convinced there's no way mom and dad's going to get it for you because it's too expensive or, or whatever, but you threw it out there, right? You just kind of put it out there and said, Oh, come on, I hope, I hope they get it for me, right? And if you were really little and you were into the whole secular side of things before Jesus and you, you prayed to Santa and, uh, and you knew that Santa was going to put in a good word for you and he was going to help you out. Um, I think about uh, if, if you've ever enjoyed the movie The Christmas Story with Ralphie and all this stuff. What was his best gift? Anybody remember? Red River Red BB gun, Brother Meyer got it right away. So, of course, when you come down to the tree, you come down to the tree in the morning, you got all these little things that they're unwrapping and he's looking at it and he got a, he got a truck and a toy and, and, a, and a baseball mitt or a football or something. And, of course, he's looking around for his best gift because that's what he really, really wanted. And everybody kept telling him he was going to shoot his eye out. And so they were all just wrecking his Christmas and telling him he, his best gift, he can't have it. And, of course, Dad, the great dad that he is, stepped in and, he had it tucked off to the side, and there it was. And, and so I think about that also in relation to bringing my children up. And, of course, we always, you know, uh, Sister Cordell and I always wanted to have some things for them to open up. And we'd buy little things, and we'd get them the boring stuff and the pair of socks and the pack of underwear and, and all that stuff. But we always knew there was going to be that one best gift. We always looked for that one thing that was going to be the really special thing just for them that we'd spend a little bit too much money on, but we knew it would be really exciting and make them happy, and it was a lot of fun, right? And so, is anybody accustomed to that? Anybody have that same experience? Have your, your best gift, right? And so, uh, it's exciting and it's fun, but it just, it's just so, it's wonderful to sit there and watch as they open up that final, and we always saved it for last on purpose, right? And sometimes I hid it so they couldn't see it because they would snoop around the tree, and, and so I would tuck it behind a piece of furniture somewhere, or I would hide it in the basement. One time we had an old, we had an old uh, dryer out in the garage and I hid a bunch of them inside the dryer. You know, the best place <laughs> is in the cleaning closet. <laughs> Safe. So I was thinking about that in terms of, you know, today is the first of December, the month of giving. The Christmas stuff has been out already for, for uh, several weeks in some cases. Um, I, I think June or so, Walmart started putting it out there, something like that. Uh, but I, I, th- I thought about the best gift and, and, and what it really means to us and being this, the first day of December. Can anyone believe it's December already? My goodness, this comes so fast. Uh, but I started thinking about God's best gift. And, uh, and there's so many ways that you can approach this and so many things you could say about his best gift. Many people believe that the birth of Christmas was the best gift, the best gift that we could have possibly ever had this world has ever seen, and I agree with that 
wholeheartedly. But I'd like to share a couple of thoughts with you about what the word says about the best gift and what, it's, how, what it means to me. I look in John chapter 4, and if you read in John chapter 4, starting at, oh, somewhere in the 7th verse, 6th verse, 7th verse in there, but uh, I'm going to start at verse 10. In John chapter 4, verse 10, or leading up to verse 10, excuse me, it talks about the woman from Samaria, Samaria who comes to Jacob's well. And Jesus is there, it's about the sixth hour of the day, which is about noontime or so. He's, it's hot, he's tired. Uh, he's really showing that he is God in the flesh. He is flesh, he is humanity. And uh, he comes to the well and the woman is drawing there and, and he speaks to her. Now what you may not know is that it was highly, highly irregular and forbidden for men for rabbis especially, to speak to a woman in public, even his own sister or his own wife, but certainly not the human trash that was the Samaritans, right? That's how they felt about him. They were just garbage. They weren't even barely people. And so he goes to the well, and she's there, and he reaches out to her and says, give of me to drink, and she's shocked that he would even speak to her and that he would ask her this and, and ask for a drink. Well, obviously what he's doing is he's engaging this woman, and he wants to begin to minister to her. So at verse 10, it says this, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with and the well is deep from whence then hast thou that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him, in him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. You can be seated this morning. So obviously he was speaking of a greater water. Now the term in that scripture, living water, is described as living water. It was a term that was used at that time and so when there were well springs coming up, I I think many of you, especially those of you that are outdoorsmen or people that were raised on farms or spent time out there, you understand the difference between dead water and living water, swamp water that's just stagnant, sits still, and then there's living water. Well, they use this term to describe this water that would bubble up or fountain up from the ground. And, and so she kind of had an understanding of what he meant of living water, but she didn't really get what he was saying until he began to go just a little bit further and describe that gift, that great gift that he would give her and called it living water. And notice that that last verse, as I stressed it before, the water shall I give him shall be in him a well of water springing up. So there's a two-way action going. There's an exchange of gift there, so to speak. There's a two-way activity that's happening there. He is giving us that living water. We can come to him and drink. We can partake of that living water, but it's gonna be a well that is within us springing up unto everlasting life. The first signs, one of the first signs from Jesus is we begin to get the idea. He begins to minister and express this message that's going to come about this Holy Spirit that he's going to give us. See, it has not been given yet. People don't know what it is. They know what the Spirit of God is, but not the indwelling power that we're going to see here in just a moment. In John chapter 7, we see Jesus had come back into Jerusalem for the Feast, the feast of Tabernacles. 
The Feast of Tabernacles is one of the, the several lines of feasts, but it's the last feast of the season. The Feast of Tabernacles goes for about eight days. And one of the things that they're celebrating in the Feast of Tabernacles is they're, they're celebrating the, the Israelites' passage through the, through the wilderness and the provision of God of water through the desert where it shouldn't have come from. Remember the, the, the water that sprang from the rock and so forth? And so what the, uh, what the priests or what the rabbis would do is every day for the first seven of the eight days of the Feast of Tabernacles, they would bring a golden pitcher of water and they would pour it over the steps of the, of the, of the uh, temple. And they would commemorate how God had poured water out on them and brought that water while they were in the desert. But on the eighth day, on the eighth day, it's believed that they stopped because the eighth day commemorates when they had passed into the promised land and God no longer had to provide the water out of a rock, but he provided it through well springs. It was the promised land. Water was coming up everywhere. Living water in the promised land in Canaan. Okay? So there's eight days in that feast and and in that seventh day. So let's take a look. It says in uh, verse, uh, excuse me, 7 and 37, it says, In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Now there's two very... There's two very critical... Somebody got better than me. All right, so there are two very critical points in that scripture. Number one, it stood and it said, Jesus cried. He cried out. He yelled. He he stood on the steps and he cried out. Now, prior to this point in any part of scripture, what do you know of Jesus in the way that he spoke to the people that he spoke to? He was very soft spoken, he was very personal, very quiet, very subdued. And he stands on the steps and he cries out, saying, If any man, now here's the second key point, any man, he begins to allude to the fact that this message is no longer just for the Jews. It's for everybody. It's a gift for everyone. Any man, any race, color, creed, location, background, station in life, it didn't matter. If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture said, is a very important third part of that scripture. As the scripture said, when you're talking to people and you're, and you're dealing with people in the world, we run into this all the time. Just believe and you're saved. Just believe and you're saved. Believe in the word and you're saved. But Jesus himself said, if you believe on me, as the scripture hath said. And so what we got to do then is we got to get a little bit further into that and say, what does the scripture say? What action goes along with believing? Because unfortunately, the misnomer, the misunderstanding that's out there is believing is just enough. Just an acknowledgement in our minds, just to say, yes, I believe that God was and is, is not enough. Because Jesus himself said, as the scripture has said, if that was not true, if that was not necessary, he simply would have said, he that believeth on me, period. We got to know what the scripture says. We got to know what it is to believe. We understood back in the time when I taught Sunday school, I used to teach the kids this little analogy about swimming in the ocean. You go out to this, one of these ocean spots, one of these beach spots where they've got uh, uh, lifesaver guys out there, what do you call them, lifeguards, and, and you're out there and, and all of a sudden a rip tide gets and you're screaming and hollering, help, help, I'm drowning, and the lifeguard jumps in the water and swims out and stops and says, hey, I'm a lifeguard, I can save you. And you go, I believe you, and you drown. 
Because there's action that has to be taken. That lifeguard is going to give you very specific instructions. You've got to calm down, calm your breathing. I'm going to put my arm around you. I'm going to lay you back this way. I'm going to tow you in, etc. right? There was specifics to this. There's action to believing. There's more that the scripture had said. And he goes on to say, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now that term belly in that scripture simply means my inner being out of here. I used to use the analogy when, when you've got stuff in your belly and that stuff is going to come out and it flow out in rivers of living water, where's it coming? Where, where's the pathway? The least pathway is out of your mouth, right? It's kind of gross. But think about it. It's a, it alludes already to what he's talking about, the infilling of the spirit experience is going to be. But out of that inner being shall flow rivers of living water. Now in the prior scripture, he promised that he's going to put that fountain in you. And now he says, if you believe on me, as the scripture has said, those rivers of living water are flowing out of you now. But this spake he of the spirit, which they that believe on him should receive for the Holy Ghost was not yet given. The Holy Ghost was him. It was his spirit that was coming. But notice again, he said, which they that believe on him should receive. It's not enough just to believe. It's not enough to stop at that. As the scripture has said, they have to receive. For the Holy Ghost was yet not given because that Jesus was not yet glorified. That phrase, not yet glorified, clearly means that he was, he's not dead yet. He has not been sacrificed yet. He's not given of himself as the sacrificial lamb. And so therefore, his spirit cannot be released into the world. One of the reasons that Jesus told the apostles that you will do things greater than I, he wasn't saying that you're going to have a greater power than I have. He simply said, I can only do so much as a human being here on earth as one rabbi ministering to a small group of people. But when I'm gone and my spirit comes back in you, now I'm going to have thousands and millions of people that can do greater things than I can because they're simply greater in numbers. In numbers is what he's talking about. Jesus is foreshadowing when he'll return in the form of the Holy Ghost. Look at the words of John the Baptist in Mark chapter 1 and 8. He says, indeed have I baptized, and I indeed have baptized you with water, but he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost. Remember last time I spoke to you, I talked about the word baptize. came from when they would take brine and water and salt and make a brine out of it and they put their vegetables in there and preserve it. Baptizo, submerge and plunge. In other words, he's coming and he's going to surround you or submerge you. You're going to be submerged in that spirit, baptized in the Holy Ghost. It's not just, a, oh, I feel good. I feel, a little, I feel a little tingly. So God is here. There are plenty of churches out there, folks, that are dear, sweet, wonderful people, and they praise and they worship. The Bible promises, God promised, where two or more are gathered in my name, I shall be. His presence is going to be there, of course. He's going to hear their prayer. Yes, he's going to answer and operate in them. But I'm telling you today, unless they get the whole story, unless they get everything, they're going to miss out on something really key. The best gift. The best gift is what they really need. The one hidden behind the couch or in the dryer in the garage that their pastor has hid away from them. It's just too hard to sell. It's, it's hard to sell this gift. It's hard to sell this to people. It's, it's, the people aren't going to want to come. People aren't going to want to accept this. It's too weird. It's too odd. It's for the old days. I can't deal with this whole baptism in the Holy Ghost thing. They can't sell it. They're not firmly confident in believing it. And they can't sell it, and therefore they don't. We'll just throw a whole lot more gifts under the tree. 
A lot of small things that they can open up that are easy to handle and easy to deal with. We'll just keep giving them more stuff. We'll put a Starbucks in their lobby and we'll give them an ATM machine and we'll have more fun days and we'll have more song days. But it's the best gift that they really need. Luke chapter 3 and 16 says, John answered, saying unto them, All, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of his shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Now we get a little bit of something else added to that. John 14 and 26, but the comforter, this is Jesus speaking now, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He's speaking to the apostles. He's speaking to you. I'll bring to remembrance. When it's time for you to share my story, when it's time for you to reach into this this inner heart of yours, those scriptures that you've learned, that experience that you have, that testimony that you have in your heart, when it comes time for that, I promise you, if I'm dwelling in your heart, I'm going to give you the words. I'm going to bring to remembrance the things that you need to say. I'm going to anoint your words so the thing that they need to hear is the thing that you're going to say. If you've been in that spot and you've had that chance and that opportunity in your life, say amen. 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 That's what he promised. That's why we need the best gift. The best gift is the comforter. The best gift is the one who's going to bring to remembrance the words that we need when it's time for us to do the work that we're called to do. You hear me? The work that we're called to do. John 16 and 7, Nevertheless, I tell you that the truth is it expedient for me that, you go, that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Now there's a whole extra line of preaching I can do on the comforter and what that means. Now some, of you, some people just automatically assume that just means Jesus is going to make us feel all right. I'll send you the comforter. Life is tough. The Holy Ghost will just make you feel warm and fuzzy. No, no, there's a whole lot more to that. There's a whole lot more to the comforter, and we'll get there eventually. In Acts chapter 1 and 5, and then down in verse 8, it says that for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. This is Jesus as he reappeared to the apostles before he went away. He was with them for about 40 days, if you remember. And he's telling them, I'm bat- John baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost very soon. They still didn't understand. They didn't know this concept. But it says, ye shall receive power. That word is dunamis in the Greek. Strong's 1411. Dunamis, you shall receive power. It's a supernatural power. It's not a power like strength, like if they built their muscles up. It's a power from the Holy Ghost. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. What a blow-away concept that is. We're going to minister to Samaria. You know what Samaria is? Judea, of course, is the home of the Jews. Samaria is the area where they mix together. The Jews that got together with the Gentiles, the half-breeds, the ones they thought were trash. In the uttermost parts of the earth, well, forget about that, that's where the, that's where the Gentiles dwell. What a revolutionary concept. But think about it now. Take a step back with me. I'm going to give you power. 
power through the Holy Ghost when it comes upon you? Is it power to live a great Christian life? Yes. Is it power that's a comfort? Yes. Is it a power that's going to make you feel strong and give you confidence in life and give you that promise of everlasting life? Yes. But what did he focus on? He focused on the thing that we were called to do. He focused on the reason for the best gift. The best gift is to get out there and to be witnesses unto Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and all the uttermost parts of the earth what we were called to do, what we're supposed to do with the best gift. Ralphie went out into his backyard and shot the bad guys. That's what he had to do with his gift. He didn't open it up, hanging on his wall on a couple of weird-looking cleats that were doe's feet. Anybody ever see that? Used to mount doe's feet. He ripped that sucker open, filled it up with BBs, ran out the back door and shot himself right in the eye. You just don't shoot at metal. That's, it's, it's, it's. Look where we are with the churches today that we see and we encounter. What Christianity has become in this nation. What, what the forces of secularism has, has impacted on good, earnest, decent Christian people who are seeking God and they're hungry for God. And they really want him. And they worship in earnest. Second Timothy, you've heard the scripture many times, I've quoted it here, Second Timothy 3, 1 through 6, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, many of you can quote it with me, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Now this list is, is incredible, it's painful to read. Lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. In verse five, having a form of godliness. In other words, that list that I just read to you was representing people who were attempting to look like God or be Christian, perhaps, having a form of godliness. But look at that next phrase, but denying the power, dunamis, Strong's 1411. Same word, same supernatural power. What does that say to you? It says to you that we've got a group of churches, we've got a Christianity in this country and around the world that subscribes to all the things that we do. We all sing good songs, we, we preach from the King James except for the book of Acts. We, we do all these wonderful things, we do, good, we do food pantries and we do giveaways and we, we love one another. Except there's a group that has a form of godliness and denies the dunamis. What they've done is they've left out the best gift. They're leaving out the best gift. They're denying it. Literally says, denying the power thereof. And then it says, from such, turn away. The book of 2 Thessalonians talks about a time when God will send a strong delusion to people for they had not a love for the truth. You think he's talking about hardcore, just terrible, secular, completely atheistic sinners? I don't think so. I think he's talking about those who denied the dunamis, the power thereof. And the really sad thing is in James chapter 2, verse 26, he clearly says that the body without the spirit is dead. Those are tough words, folks. It's tough language, but it's reality. We have that gift. We have the best gift. Yes, his birth on what we call Christmas, 
was the greatest thing to ever happen to this planet. But the best gift, the best gift is when he chose and he decided that when he went away, he was going to fill you with the Holy Ghost and fill me with the Holy Ghost, that he was going to come into my heart. If I followed as the scripture said, and I did what he told me to do, and I was obedient unto the word, and I truly loved him, that he would fill me with that best gift, that fountain of living water. But folks, I'm here to tell you this morning, if you stop it up, if you hold it inside, first of all, if he keeps filling you with that living water and you just keep it trapped up, you've got a cork in it, you're going to burst. Not in a good way. That fountain of living water is flowing through you and it's flowing through me. And if we don't find a way to get, just get a little bit better every time we can, every chance we can, get just a little bit better of showing that living water, letting that living water flow out of us and represent what God has done, represent that best gift that he gave me. You've got the testimony. You've got the experience that you had. If you've got the Holy Ghost in your life right now, raise your hand. You had that experience. You were at an altar someplace, somewhere, some kind of an altar, someplace when God said, yes, I hear your prayer. I see your repentance. I see what your heart is. And he filled you with the power of the Holy Ghost. And what I'm saying is you've got to get a little bit better at letting that ribbing water flow from you. You've got to show how you can give it back to him because that gift is the gift that keeps on giving and it's up to us to keep doing it. The book of Mark, chapter 16, says, In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents and they drink any deadly thing. It will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Is there anybody in the house this morning that wants to get a hold of one of these situations and find a Bill Schultz or a Tina Lee and be able to go and pray for them, pray over them in the power of the Spirit and watch them get up and walk and say, Yes, I've got the healing power. Luke chapter 10, authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt them. How many of you have been trampled on recently by the power of the enemy? How has the enemy come against you lately? I'm telling you right now, if you get a hold of this and you recognize the living water that's flowing in you, you'll understand that you've got power over that enemy. When he comes against you, when he starts messing in your life, you've got the power to stop on his head. In the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost that's flowing through you. But we're asleep. We don't get it right now. I'm sorry, folks, but I don't think we get it. I don't think we understand because we're not on fire with it just yet. Oh, I hear, I hear awesome prayer. Don't get me wrong. And I'm preaching to myself this morning. Don't get me wrong. We're a wonderful church. We pray in the Spirit. The Spirit moves in here powerfully. But we're kind of holding that best gift to ourselves, aren't we? Come on now, be honest with yourself. God's listening. We're holding that thing in here and we're not what he wants us to be just yet. We're not letting those rivers of living water flow where they should, where we could, what we could do more. This is not the end of this message. It's going to get uncomfortable for some folks. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to stand by and watch my loved ones, my friends, my Christian brothers and sisters plug up that hole and back that thing up and stand there and let those living waters stagnate inside them so that someday they don't have the power to even come against challenges in their own life, much less minister to somebody else. Water that can't flow will stagnate. It becomes a swamp and it stinks. And every form of film of fungus and funk grows in that stuff, it's uninhabitable. And if we allow that to happen in our lives, buddy, watch out. 
We can get wrapped up. We can get wrapped up in things of this life so easily. That verse in Luke 10 goes on to say, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that you can stomp on the enemy, that you have power over him, that nothing will hurt you. Do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. John 16 says, may you, may you have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. It's going to be tough out there. We're going to have our troubles. But through those living waters, through that best gift, we can still find peace. We can come into a sanctuary like this, lift up our hands, worship God in a beautiful worship service like we had today. We can spend some time this morning. Thank you, Sister Gerbing, who gave us a devotion this morning on the gift and didn't even talk to me about it. (laughs) Is God working, Sister Gerbing? I think so. Romans chapter 8, we learn the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. Verse 38 says, For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor the height, nor the depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The Holy Ghost, the living water flowing through you, is literally Holy Ghost superglue between you and God. Nothing can separate you if your living water is flowing, if the Holy Ghost is operation in your life, if you keep that glue put together, if you're constantly with him, and you're reviving it and reviving it and reviving it and using it in your life. There is nothing that can separate you, no challenge, nothing created on earth. In Jesus' name. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that God gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Anybody want victory in the house this morning? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, God always leads us in triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Why? Because of the best gift. Because the best gift you could ever get, you could ever give. The power of that Holy Ghost that's in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. You've heard it many times before, but do you take a hold and understand that when that Holy Ghost is active in your life, you have power to take down strongholds. Come on now, has anybody sat down and said, what are the strongholds in my life right now? Come on, let's write it down. God, I want to talk to you about the strongholds in my life. My children aren't serving God. That's a stronghold that can come down with the Holy Ghost. I've got sickness that's constantly existing in my life. It's a stronghold that can be taken down with the power of the Holy Ghost. Do you understand? You've got to identify those things. Know what the enemy has to say and what you're facing. So you know what a stronghold is because you're mighty. You're mighty. You're mighty through the power pulling down those strongholds. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, and fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
You know what that's saying? You're able to do those things, pursue those things, put them above what life is offering. Is your greatest pursuit the next promotion? Are you just after money, comfort, toys, friends, vacations, entertainment? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on to eternal life because you've confessed it. You all raised your hand. You said it. I saw you. It's on film. I'm kidding. There's no camera. In the presence of many witnesses, they saw you get the Holy Ghost. Your family should know that you have the Holy Ghost. Your loved ones should know that you have the Holy Ghost. Whether or not you verbalize it right to them or not, or they just encounter you and they just say, something's different about this guy. Something's different about this lady. What is it about you, Dave? I'm going through all this stuff and I've seen you challenged in life and these bad things happen, but somehow you just stay firm. You're always happy. What is it about you, Dave? That's what they should see. Those rivers of living water continuously flowing out from you. Not bitterness and anger and frustration and dealing with problems. But these things, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and patience, this is what we should be exuding. This is what should be coming out of those rivers of living water. Why? Because it's a testimony to everybody that we encounter. You've spoken it. You've received it. You own it. It's in you. It's like a nuclear reactor of spiritual ability that's inside you. All you have to do is take ownership of it. Get a hold of it. My kids would open up that best gift on Christmas morning sometimes when they were little. Well, sometimes when they were older. Last year, Kyle did. They'd jump up and down and scream or they would, ah, and then we'd get big hugs and everything would be great and, and they were so excited about their best gift that they got. When they were really little, they just took the box and played with it, but and my wife and I were like, <laughs> we spent all that money for a box. You're empowered with the best gift. Church, you're empowered with the best gift. And you have a job to do now. Take it out of the box. Jump up and down and scream and holler. Because the next thing they would do is either get on the phone or get with their buddies. Guess what I got for Christmas? I got my blah, blah, blah. I got my Red Rider BB gun. Right? You're empowered with it. You have the best gift. It's in your hands to do with what you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and 15 says, Thanks be to God for this unspeakable gift. Now that word unspeakable doesn't mean not to speak. It means indescribable. Let's stand this morning. It is indescribable. It is powerful what's inside you. It is the unspeakable gift, as Paul told the Corinthians. I'm asking you today, definitely treasure it. Tear that thing open. Hug it real tight. Jump up and down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But now you got to use it. You got to bust out of the back door. Load that thing up with BBs and get ready to start taking down Black Bart. 
Take down those strongholds. Help those people that desperately need you. Because every day that we walk and every day that we work and we live this life, we encounter hundreds and hundreds of souls that don't have him. And they're lost without him. And they're being ministered to by people who say, just believe. Just believe the lifeguard that he can save you. If we don't get this in our heart and we're not prepared to start giving of this greatest gift, the church is in trouble. This is not what God called us to do. So I'm asking you today to search your hearts. Get a hold of this thing. Are we doing enough? Are we doing what God's called us to do with the best gift? Or are we keeping it to ourselves? Are we holding it too tight? We're coming to a time in our history. Things are beginning to get ugly. It'll be at our back door soon enough. For those of you that have practiced up on this, pulling down strongholds and fighting the battle, sharing your word with other people. I believe that God will shelter us, and protect us, and watch over us. But there will come a time, there will come a time where people will be faced with a choice. Am I going to stand up? Am I going to share this living water? Or is it going to get too tough and I'm just going to walk away? And for those that walk away, I fear for their souls. This altar is open this morning. I ask you to seek today and ask God what you can do. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.